Today is from a, uh, from a Christian organization called The Bible Project, and they're all free online, some amazing resources. And, uh, and we wanted to explain to you a little bit about what Advent is all about, because I think sometimes we're in danger as a church, as a tradition, to just treat Advent like something we get through to get towards Christmas. But each Sunday, there's a particular focus. This Sunday is hope. And so we light one of the candles in recognition and remembrance of hope. Well, that's a really powerful meaning to hope, and I want us this morning, as we think and listen to some of the thoughts that I have, I want you to remember this video because it is going to tie in. And thanks to Nicole as well. These, just so you explain what's going on, hopefully on your seat you should have one of these, and maybe, I've got so many different business cards and little things on my table here, a little one. You can actually read on the back what this is about. Basically, it's a focus on families to be able to do ABC. They do an activity together as a family that we provide every week. There's a Bible uh, reading that we uh, give every week. This is a Bible. Uh, It's a very, very good Bible. So every family is being gifted one of these along with a, a Bible reading plan that takes them all the way through to Christmas Eve. And they put a sticker on each reading and then they come back each week and get more stickers for the following week. And then C is a community-based activity. So some way as a family, we can bless our city. And so this week, they're going around their activities to go around and look for gently used clothes and toys that they can then donate uh, into uh, different organizations in our city. So each week, there's a different ABC. Every family gets a Bible. And so I want you to take this. If you can think of a family that you can invite, if they miss this week, it doesn't matter. They can come next week or the week after. But please take this and give to a family and maybe explain to them. They can go on the website as well, wpsouth.ca forward slash advent, and it's all there. So thanks to Nicole and Leishan and the team who have put all this together. Um, we're really excited about it. And also there's a business card for people Uh, you can take to invite people to our Christmas Eve services. There's lots going on. Let's talk about Costco. Um, I went to to Costco the other day. This is the first time in several years that I decided to go with my wife. Sarah was very excited. She practically commander rolled in there. She had a new, we had our new cards. We went, we lined up, and then the experience started. What we didn't realize is that we chose for our first visit back to Costco after several years, Black Friday, to go. Yes. We were wandering around and wondering why there was kind of this crazed look in everybody's eye, but even more so because I know that Costco tends to bring that out of people anyway, and that's why I tend to try and avoid it. But there just seems to be this heightened, amped-up sense of uh, a ferocious get-out-of-my-way, even for Costco. So I started kind of reflecting and noticing as I'm driving around. It, was, it fascinated me that you could get chili and curry as samples at 9.30 on a Friday morning. And people were lining up for chili and curry in the morning. I mean, that's, that's something wrong. Personally, I'm sorry if that offends you. For those of you who enjoy curry as breakfast, that's not right. And, and, and I was also surprised that they opened early on fr- Black Friday, I guess just so people could get their chili and curry. It's an amazing store. I, I was waiting for Sarah as she was getting our free pizza, because why wouldn't you get free pizza on Friday morning at 930 
Uh, and I started noticing something intriguing. And we've got this name tag Sunday, and so my name there, Glenn, and I hope you've got your name tag. But I noticed that there seemed to be some kind of prerequisite for working in Costco that meant that you have to have a single syllable name. So as I started watching, like nine out of ten workers, it was Babs, Cat, Barbs, Tim, Jeff, Tom. Um, they were all single syllable, all of them. And I think that's probably because they just need to have their name yelled and heard really easily. And I said, I wonder what if your name's Felicity. Will you ever get a job in Costco? Maybe if you're willing to change your name, I don't know. You need a kayak? Well, it's over by the chewing gum. You need a snowblower. Why don't you get your tires changed at the same time? And, you know, and, and, and it's just a bizarre place. But it amped up and heightened this, this feeling that I already had as, uh, in Costco. And it was Christmas as well in there. It didn't bring the best out of me. It, it highlighted issues that I've already got. It just amps them up. And I find that life is like that and Christmas is like that. That there are underlying tensions and troubles and transitions that families may be experiencing. That Christmas, like Costco, will raise these issues to the surface. It, it amps them up, if you like. Now, I'm the first to say that Christmas is the most wonderful time of year, most of the time. Most of the time. Because actually, Christmas can also be a really challenging and difficult time. Because it heightens and amps up things that are already in families, in life, in mind. Things that have happened in the previous year, maybe, whether it be financial challenges. Christmas heightens it. Christmas heightens loneliness. Christmas heightens family tensions. Maybe this is the first Christmas after a separation or a divorce or the first time that stepmom or stepdad is involved at Christmas. And so the tension heightens at Christmas. And there's an optimism, as we heard on the video, but the tension is there and it bubbles to the surface. Maybe this is the first Christmas after a loss. Maybe somebody, and I know there are people in the room that we love and a part of the South family who are going through times and feelings of acute loss right now. Christmas heightens that. There's a tension. It is the most wonderful time of year most of the time. Maybe it's memories that bubble to the surface that every other time of the year you're able to kind of just deal with, but there's this, there's, it just it amps up at Christmas. And we all know the statistics that Christmas, yes, is the most wonderful time of year. At the same time, it can be the most challenging time of year for many. It's wonderful. Christmas centers our focus in a beautiful way, in a way that really there is no other uh, Christmas, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Christian tradition that really, that really focuses our attention like Christmas. It's the world and Christianity align themselves, that our society and culture want to call it happy holiday and Christians get very indignant and very tense. No, no, it's, it's Christmas and, and there's this tension even in our society but it's still the most wonderful time of year. It's an incredible focus. It's a wonderful celebration that families enjoy, which is why this year we really wanted to focus in our, in our Christmas adventure, that, that we wanted to make sure that families were focused on this incredible, incredible gift. See, Christmas pierces a felt darkness with a sense of something more. It feels dark sometimes, and Christmas gives us a hope. It pierces through that feeling like a bright 
and wonderful warm light. Now, I live in uh, Kettle Valley, as I know some of you do as well. Kettle Valley is a fascinating place at Christmas. I don't know if you've had the joy of driving around. It, it just explodes with, with lights and, and celebration. I love it. And in my, I have one vivid memory of uh, a few years ago. It was perfect. We had a fresh uh, four or five inches of snow. We went for a walk as a family. And, uh, and we were playing in the snow, the lights. It was Christmas Eve. It was perfect. I, I loved it. Lights at Christmas is what it's all about. And it's very, very biblical. And I've got into trouble in previous years for sharing this, because some would say that, that maybe I shouldn't be showing you some of the pictures I'm about to show, because it could look like I'm setting myself up holier than thou and more impressive than thou. Um, but I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to show you a picture of our house um, right now. Um, if you look really carefully, you can see Sarah right at the top there on the right, just to the right of of Santa, and she's got kind of some lighting on her. You know, we go for it at Christmas. We really do. No, I'm joking. That obviously isn't our house because, uh, because it's, it's way brighter than that normally. But, Christmas, but so uh, this, this actually is our backyard. This is, this is actually our house right now. No, I'm joking. This is actually the inside of our house um, with ornaments that I don't recognize. But lights are really powerful. They immediately evoke a sensation, an emotion, a warmth, a hope. It gives us this, this sense that, that there's something more. And it's weird because if you've ever been in a really, really dark place, physically really dark, as soon as somebody puts a light on, there is this relaxation that it's going to be okay. You know, because that's the first thing we scramble for is if it's really, really dark, we're not thinking, wow, it's cold. We're thinking, I need to see some light. I need to see some hope. I need to see my surroundings in a, in a new light. And that's what Christmas does. It focuses on that. You see, light pierces the darkness and brings hope. And that is entirely biblical. Matthew, one of the followers of Jesus, actually describes and uses the word light. He, 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 uh, he quotes a prophecy and he says this, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And in those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. It's a direct prophecy talking about Christmas and Christmas being a time of hope and Christmas being a time of light because Jesus is described as this light. Lights are wonderful. But notice it says in a land of the shadow of death, you see, we need to remember that, and we'll be talking more about this over the coming weeks, but Jesus' time, the time that he was born in, the time that the Bible was written in, was an incredibly dark and terrible time. Families were being split up. Children and, and women were being taken into slavery as a result of their belief in Jesus Christ. There was violence. There was injustice. There was abuse. There was persecution. There was torture. If you believed in Jesus, if you believed in this new, uh, this new movement called The Way, as it was called at that time, it wasn't called Christianity, it was called The Way, then you were, you were leveling yourself up with, a, with a, a darkness that could evade your life in a very, very real way. Families being ripped apart. Problems that they just couldn't solve. When I read this verse, I thought this can align with maybe some of our experiences right now. 
And if not now, maybe in times past, that Christmas has a tendency to amp up and highlight. Maybe you're feeling that shadow of death, that darkness, on a very personal level. You can certainly see this and resonate with this when we look at our land and our world. There's a darkness. Problems that we just don't seem to solve. So let's just do something we don't normally do on a Sunday. You can relax. It's not going to involve anybody else other than you. But I just want us to pause for a second and think about a problem that you have that's not just like um, you know something on a to-do list, but a very intrinsic issue challenge that you have in your life right now that you know, even though you might be trying really hard, but you just can't solve. Let's think about that for a second. And as we think about that problem, there was a statement in that video that was really interesting. The world has optimism. Christianity has hope. There's a big difference. See, optimism says, I can fix this. Optimism says, if I can just do this, this, and this, then maybe they will do that, that, and that. Optimism says, if I can just somehow control this situation, then somehow it's going to get better. Optimism even works the other way and say, if I can just sort myself out, the mess that I am, then maybe things will get better. The problem with that is that ultimately we're still reminded that this is an issue we can't solve. Because as a world, as a society, in history, and history shows this, that whether it be good through decent ideology or or sometimes just ideology that is just messed up, but there's this thought, if we apply this ideology to this issue, then we will result in this answer. Or maybe it be politics, or maybe it be money. We apply this to that, then we will get this. And what actually happens is that oftentimes we press ourselves into the problems, and the absolute opposite happens. The problem gets worse. And if you're thinking about your issue and your challenge right now, I just want you to think about if you're pressing into it with optimism that somehow you can bring a change, is it actually working? Now, I'm not saying there aren't things that we can practically do to improve, but actually bring an answer, to bring a hope that doesn't rely on it changing. Listen to this. A hope that doesn't rely on it changing. A hope is deeper than that. A hope is that It doesn't matter what's going on. There's this deep sense of it's going to be okay because there's a light on. There's a light on. You see, that's what Christmas does. It provides us a light. It provides us a new story. See, Christmas places our focus on an event that changed the world. And the event was what we just heard, that Jesus came as a baby, and as amazing and incredible as that is, that Jesus ultimately came on a mission. And his mission wasn't just to be a good teacher, a decent guy, and somebody that we can talk about thousands of years later and make us feel warm and cozy. Jesus came ultimately to die on a cross. He was really unapologetic about explaining that from the beginning. He said, this is my aim, that I'm going to go and, this, and, the, and then this will die and three days later will rise again. And, and it's upon that that Christianity is based. It's upon that hope. It's upon that story that Christmas is focused on an event and the event is that God sent his son to be the center of Christmas, yes, but the center of this world the center of Kelowna 
and the center of your and my life. That's why God sent his son. That's the focus. That's the light. That's the hope. Something that's bigger and better and more beautiful and more ultimate than my ability to try and bring change to this problem. Something that's outside of me. Something that is more resilient. Something that's more powerful. That regardless of what the situation might be, that I have this something, this light, if you like, alive in my life, that as a Christian I can say, therefore I am secure. He provides a light and a hope. Says this, Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, that is a personal statement. You could say, well, there is darkness around, absolutely, but I don't walk in it because I have a light that doesn't rely on the darkness changing. I have a light that goes with me. It doesn't matter how much the darkness presses in. My optimism that it will change is not enough. I need something deeper than that. And Jesus is that. He is for us. So think of that problem again. Think of that issue, that challenge that made you optimistically we are, with good heart, by the way. I'm not being critical when we try and bring change to a situation. But let's think about that issue and apply it differently. Apply the light differently. Let's not apply the light to it. Let's apply the light to me and my walk. What does that situation feel like now? Because if I have the light in me, then I can go into the deepest and most dark place and the light walks with me because the light isn't my light. It's the light of Jesus in me. And it actually makes a practical difference in our life. One of Jesus' followers who uh, wrote one of the uh, longest uh, books in the New Testament, his name was John, and he was a, a fascinating character and wrote some beautiful words in the New Testament. Uh, and as a very old man, it was actually written one of the later books that were written in the New Testament. In our FAQ series, we, we talked about uh, the Bible and the authenticity of the Bible and who the writers were and how we can rely on them. And I don't want to get into that now, but John wrote uh, his book later on. It was maybe 60 or 70 years after Jesus. And he had seen and experienced the deepest darkness. I honestly think I get humbled when I read church history. And I'm going to spend two weeks in January. I really want you to come and hear these two sermons. I'm, I'm quite giddy about it, honestly, because I'm reading church history and taking snippets and taking elements and looking from when it says, in the beginning, God, all the way through to today, looking at these characters all the way through. And it's amazing the shoulders that we stand on. And the shoulders that we stand on are shoulders like John who were able to live through the deepest, darkest times of Christianity. And yet the resonating thing that comes through the writing of John is this. God is love. You see, he didn't need anything to convince him anything that God is love, that anything outside of himself, because there was nothing to see to give evidence Looking through normal eyes, nothing to see that God is love if we rely on the darkness to give us that information. If we're relying on the circumstance to change, to reinforce our belief that God is love, then we'll be waiting a long time. Because Jesus promises something better than that. He says it doesn't matter what the situation is. And John had this. He understood this. It doesn't matter what the situation is because God is love. How do I know that? Because he's in me and I know it and I have that hope and I have that 
light. Look at what else he said. He said, these things are written. This is right at the end of his book. So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He said that having witnessed many of his friends die horrible deaths. He still was able to say, you have life. John 10.10 says this is another thing that John said. You will have life and life more what? Thank you, all four of you. Abundantly, life and more life. I've said this before, but our daughter Zoe, we named her life. The word Zoe in the Greek means to jump up, spin around, shout for joy with life. And John says, God is love, regardless of the circumstance. If you have him, you have him center in your life. This is what Christmas is about. That this gift of Jesus, center in our life, gives us a light and a hope that we're able to say, not just life, no, no, no. Life more abundantly. Life jumping up, spinning around, shouting for joy. And don't go, oh, well, it's fine for them, because it wasn't fine for them. They weren't changing. They weren't waiting for the darkness to change. The early Christians in Acts, you can read about them gathering together to pray, and there's all this persecution and threats and murder and children being literally dragged away into slavery. And this is all as a result of their belief. This is all happening around them. And what is it that they pray for? They pray that God would give them boldness in the darkness. Not that the darkness would change because here's what they realize. They recognize that life will shake. Life is dark sometimes. And so as I'm sharing this, I'm very aware that for me to say God is love and to throw these scriptures like scripture bombs at you and go, hey, let's just be happy and joyful in the midst of it, that it actually has to have more substance than that. It has to have a practical difference in our life in him was life and the life was the light of mankind notice when john wrote this john 1 verse 4 see john didn't write a regular account of the nativity this is how he started the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it i wonder if you've had the opportunity to spend time with somebody who has not been overcome in the darkness that they have a light They have a hope. They have an essence. They have an aura. And I'm going to redeem that word and make it Christian. An aura about them that is just deeper, more beautiful, more ultimate, more powerful than anything this world has to offer. And I say that as having, I am somebody who spends a lot of time with people who are going through difficult times. You see, when you have this light, it will not be overcome. For those of you who've been in the church for a while, you'll, you'll remember about three years ago, I can't believe it's three years ago, but I had to take an extended uh, time away from uh, my pastoring duties. I'm very grateful for Willow Park Church. They stuck with me, because uh, I don't think I would have, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, through, various, uh, through various circumstances, ultimately, I burnt out. And um, in our society, we, we find it very difficult. And again, in February, we're actually going to be looking at a series about, uh, about burnout and being overwhelmed and overcome because we live in a society that celebrates it. We celebrate busyness. We're a bit suspicious of when somebody's not busy. Now, what's that all about? 
Well, how's your day? Oh, great, relaxed. Just took a lot of rest. Even me saying that, you can almost invite the judgment. Oh, well, he hasn't got much to do. He's got a problem. In our society, we celebrate it when somebody goes, oh, I'm so busy, I can't even think. I barely slept last night. I'm just go, 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 go. And inside we're going, whoa, that's pretty impressive. Now, we might not verbalize that, but that's what we think. We're suspicious of rest and we celebrate busyness. And, and in there, you add somebody who is characterized by, and you probably tell for those of you here for the first time, I'm, I'm a go, go, go kind of person. I burnt out. That's code for I, I fatigued my adrenal gland. I didn't even know I had an adrenal gland to fatigue. But I do, and apparently it's quite important. Because my life tanked. It tanked. My wife saw it coming for a long time. My sleep just went out the window. I started getting anxious. I started getting depressed. I started getting tearful. I was getting frustrated and angry at the smallest things. I was great to live with. You can imagine. Like, leave dad alone. Don't, you know. And in the middle of that, I was getting up on this platform on Sunday mornings and preaching and, and meeting with people. And, and I got to the point where it just broke me. Why am I sharing that? Because we live in a society that celebrates busyness when life gets really, really dark. I couldn't pull myself out of it. And I'm going to confess something. For years, up until then, and I'm 45, almost 46 years old, up until then, I kind of looked a bit suspiciously at anybody who said they were anxious or depressed. Come on. Have you been to places in the world? Have you seen what I've seen? You've got nothing to be depressed about, my friend. You, you slept in a bed last night? Life is good. That was my go-to judgment. And only when you start living through times of deep darkness, and I have a friend of mine who's who's much older than me, he says that, 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 that pastors often go through, he calls them dark periods of the soul. You can't pull yourself out of that. Maybe you're feeling that way sometimes, and you struggle with anxiety and depression, and that's a mark maybe in your life. You know what? I know now you can't just pull your socks up and get on with life. So how did that alleviate itself in my life? Because for me, I'm very, very fortunate. I wasn't chemically depressed long term. Mine was very treatable. And and I have to say now, I'm a million miles away from that. But with a new understanding and a new lens, praise the Lord, that God would count me worthy to allow me to go through that. But how do you get through times like that? Mustering your energy and believing you can get through it with optimism isn't enough when you're locking yourself in the closet. You need something deeper, something more powerful, something more beautiful, something more hope-filled, something more bright to look at. And can I tell you, there was times when somebody had turned that right, right down, but it glimmered. You know, like a candle in a dark room, even though it might be at the end of its wick, there's still a hope and a beauty to it, isn't there? That was my faith. I'm so grateful I had it, because I don't, I'm not saying this to be melodramatic, I don't think I'd be stood here if I hadn't had that light. I had a plan, and I'm good at planning. That's how dark it got. And it's hard for me to share this with you, because I'm, 
even that, what was hard about for me is that I had to set myself up as being the strong one because that's what pastor should be. You don't go through this, pastor. That's what was mentally going on inside of me. So to even share this is a big deal, right? Because you're actually being vulnerable and saying, that was rough, but the darkness did not overcome it. The darkness did not overcome it. The darkness did not overcome it. The light was still there. Hope. What do you have? What do you have? Do you have it the pull yourself up by your bootstraps? What even are bootstraps anyway? I don't even know. Do you have your bank account? Do you have your wife? I've got the best wife in the world. Sorry, guys. I do. I've been married to her for 25 years. Oh, I usually point. I just point at Jackson. <laughs> She's over there. That was awkward. Jackson's like, whoa. Oh, dear Lord. She's over there. She wasn't enough. My bank account definitely wasn't enough. My car wasn't enough. My achievements weren't enough. My degrees on my, on my wall were not enough. My wonderful mum and dad were not enough. My kids were not enough. The light, the light was enough. For to us, a child is born. To us, for to us... To me, to Glenn, to you, a child is born. The child is the Son of God, Jesus, sent to be center of this world, center of this city, center of your life. To us, a son is given. Because if he'd stopped there, if Isaiah, who was one of the prophets in the Old Testament, and he was hundreds of years before, pointing towards Jesus' birth, if he'd stopped there, then this is what we would have been left with. We would have been left with a religion that says you've got to work harder, perform better, do more stuff, go to more places, pray longer, read more Bible, and that's how you will get to have this child. But he didn't. He carried on and he says, To us, a son is given gift. The gift of light is for you to receive. I'm paraphrasing a scripture there. Have you received that? Christians, do you focus on that light? You know, some gifts are really hard to receive. They really are. You know, you, uh, let's just imagine you're given a, a gift certificate in three books. The gift certificate says uh, membership to a gym. Wow, for a year, okay? That's quite the gift, thank you. Then you open up your book and it says, um, uh, it's a diet book. Then you open another book and then you go, uh, aging gracefully. And then you open another book and and it's uh, overcoming selfishness. And you look at your four gifts and you go, wow, thanks very much. I am indeed a fat, old, selfish person and I need to get all these things in my life. That is a hard gift to receive. Maybe somebody's paid off a debt. That's a hard gift to receive. Maybe somebody's blessed you financially, and it's humbling. The hardest gift to receive, I believe, is this gift. Because this gift starts with recognizing you need him because there's darkness that you cannot overcome, that your optimism and bank account and control can do nothing about. This gift is given to those who recognize that there is a darkness that needs a light. And it's a tough gift to receive because you actually have to admit. You have to admit, I can't do this. 
And in our society, just bear with me, I'm coming to an end now. In our culture, if there's one thing we do not celebrate, it's humility, meekness, vulnerability, and weakness. We celebrate the strong, the heroic, the loud, the determined, and those are all great things. We don't celebrate the very things that Christianity are actually based on. When you actually come to the place where you go, I can't do this. And you don't actually have to be in the deepest darkness to actually have that prayer. You have that light. So as we start our Christmas Advent, we start with a sense of hope. And it's my prayer is simply this, that for that thing that you thought about when we paused, my prayer is that you'll stop trying to fix it. My prayer is that you will find hope and strength and acceptance in the light of the world. And his name is Jesus. You know, and as I'm talking, maybe, maybe some of these things are starting to make sense and you just think, man, I'd love to talk more about this or I'd love to have some prayer. Well, at the end of the service, you are welcome to come forward and receive some prayer from some of the leaders and the elders. They would love to chat and pray with you. But also on the, in, the, uh, in the seat pocket in front of you, there's a Connect card. You can actually write on the back there, I'd like to talk to somebody about this. I'd like to talk to somebody about becoming a Christian or I'd like to talk to a pastor we would love to be able to do that and you can just take it to the connect desk and nobody's going to go oh look somebody's coming with a card because people are giving cards in there all the time just if you're new so nobody's going to know it's our equivalent to the confessional it's wonderful although one day we might set one of those up Um, let me pray for you Because Christmas is a wonderful time of year, most of the time. Right? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the light. That God, I thank you. That by experience, I can stand here and I can be grateful. Because Lord, the darkness never overcame you in my life. But Lord, I'm very aware that there are people in the room who may be experiencing that darkness, whether it be anxiety or whether it be circumstantial or whether it be anything, Lord, that that just seems to be pressing in on them. Father, I pray that they would find great hope in the light, the light of your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray for people who may be here for the first time or just thinking through Christianity, thinking through spirituality. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them and And that God, that they would take that step to reach out and say, yeah, I I need help. Lord, for the Christians, these beloveds, Lord, I pray that this Christmas season would be a season where we will anchor even more deeply into the hope and the story and the event. Jesus, we love you. We're thankful for you. Please continue to speak to us and draw us and guide us. Hallelujah.